0: Beginning to look a lot like fish fry everywhere you go, or maybe just here. Hey there everybody, welcome to episode number 512 and the last one for 2022 of this here electronic engineering podcast called Amelia's Weekly Fish Fry, brought to you by eejournal.com and written, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Amelia Dalton. I am happy to welcome longtime friend of the show, Bill Neifert, to Fish Fry this week. Bill and I are chatting about virtual hardware, trends in IoT, and how Corellium can help speed up the advancement of your ARM-based devices. Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, Amelia. Good to see you again.
0: Good to see you too, Bill. Okay, so we're here today to talk about the Corellium ARM partnership. So, first, tell me a bit about the relationship and Corellium's ARM hypervisor based virtualization technology.
1: It's a mouthful, isn't it? It is. So, ARM has been making a much bigger play in the virtual modeling space for the past year or so. I think it was about a year ago that ARM announced ARM virtual hardware at Dev Summit. And at the time that ARM made that announcement, it was based only upon ARM's legacy virtual modeling technology, their fast models in there. But unbeknownst to you know the public at that point in time, they were already working with Corellium to work on the next generation of models here to handle more complex tasks. And I'm not going to say they're you know, getting rid of the other stuff, but in order to handle more complex tasks, you need a different approach to this. And so ARM had engaged Corellium at that point in time for the development of models to, to model a larger portion of the system than was possible or easily done with traditional virtual modeling techniques. And so they licensed Corellium's hypervisor technology, which basically virtualizes the behavior of an ARM device onto an ARM device. Think about it, it only makes sense. If you're going to run ARM, why not run it natively on an ARM processor? And that's what Corellium's technology does in April of this past year, it may have been may have been March, or I think it was April, I don't remember the exact timing, when ARM announced its hypervisor-based stuff, it was actually introducing Corellium technology. We just hadn't finalized all of the commercialization agreements yet around that point in time. So, you know, the hypervisor-based stuff was rolled out uh, earlier this year. And, you know, we only really finalized all the uh, the paperwork on this and decided to go public with the, the collaboration between ARM and Corellium a few months ago. And that's when we actually made the follow-on announcement. But, you know, as you can see, this is something we have been working on for quite some time, and it's something we continue to work. Obviously, you know, ARM is placing a lot of importance for ARM virtual hardware. If you look at the tracks they're doing for Dev Summit, a lot of them tie in with ARM Virtual Hardware. We're going to play a role in that, and you can very likely expect we'll continue to have boards coming out in ARM Virtual Hardware that are based on Corellium's hypervisor technology.
0: Excellent. Now, how does ARM and Corellium intend to transform the current IoT development and testing environment with this virtualization technology?
1: Well, if you look at how IoT development is done, It's done largely the same way it's been done for a long time. It's a a board sitting on someone's desk, plugged in via USB. At least it's USB now. It used to be serial ports. So you develop on your personal PC. You cross-compile it, of course. You burn it into the image, you know, and you run it on the board, and then you debug it interactively that way. If you want to do more testing or CI/CD or anything like that, you either overload your board and just constantly run it there, or you start establishing a device farm somewhere over here and build that all up and all the issues that come along with that, assuming you can find devices nowadays due to a supply chain in there. What ARM is doing with ARM virtual hardware is it's bringing the methodologies and software development approaches of the modern age to IoT. It's taking all of the cloud-based stuff that developers in other industries are able to leverage on a daily basis and bringing them to IoT. This means things like, you know, continuous integration, continuous deployment. It means plugging into web-based flows and things like GitHub and then all of these other fantastic cloud-based tools that others have access to that IoT has kind of been left on the wayside for and democratizing all of that. And security, of course, is a big aspect in all of this as well. There are a lot of great tools and flows that you can do out there to validate your security, which you're kind of left behind if you're doing this standalone things on your desktop. So it's really taking IoT development and playing a little catch up with it here and making it accessible.
0: So Bill, how large do you think the IoT space is in general?
1: Well, that's a great question. It's interesting. I I was doing a little research. Just a quick Google on this and how big is the IoT space and you'll get People coming back with estimates anywhere between 7 billion and 30 billion devices today. That's quite a range. It's right up there with the weather forecasting on how accurate you need to be, I guess. And regardless of where you sit on which end of that spectrum, that's a lot of devices. When you start talking billions with a B, you've got a lot of devices. And, you know, of course, a lot of software to come with it, uh, a lot of devices to update, a lot of devices to test, a lot of devices to secure. The size of the problem here is pretty massive, no matter which perspective you're looking at on the market size.
0: Absolutely. Now, can you explain to me why Corellium is targeting the EDA and semiconductor markets in particular?
1: Oh, it really makes sense. You know, EDA and Semiconductor is always in this process of trying to accelerate development schedules, a shift left type of an approach. And the best way to do that is by enabling the software developer. But if you look at traditional virtual modeling technologies, they tend to suffer from two problems. It's never fast enough and it's never available early enough. Our hypervisor technology solves the speed problem. I actually haven't come across anyone yet who says the stuff's not fast enough. Most of our devices, certainly for ARM virtual hardware, run faster than the real hardware. Our Raspberry Pi model, if you see the benchmarks that ARM did in their blogs about it, it's four times faster than a real Raspberry Pi. So we get to nicely address the speed problem with this. And we certainly are working on rolling these models out as quickly as we can. I've been super impressed in the time that I've been here at how fast we're able to roll these things up. It's never as fast as anyone would like, of course, but if you look at the range of models that we've already produced for ARM, tied with Corellium's history, Corellium makes its name rolling out models of various mobile devices. And we were able to roll out an iPhone the day the new iPhone was announced, together with support for all of the new iPhone software on here. So we've got modeling approaches that enable us to roll this stuff out really quickly. Now, So I'm not gonna claim it's instantaneous, but we've solved the speed problem and you know, we've got a good approach on addressing the availability problem. So these are the two main things that really help deliver virtual prototypes to the market faster and enable this whole shift left. And I think we'll enable Silicon vendors and people in that space to really take the software development stuff that needs to wait till late in the process and pull it in to even pre-silicon in some cases, depending on how the model is being done.
0: So let's circle back to IoT development for a sec. What trends are you seeing in particular in IoT device development today?
1: Uh, Good question. First off is the migration to better flows in here. There is a constant push for this. Resource scarcity is forcing people to try and make do with more. And this is resource scarcity in personnel. You can't rely on you know scaling up in people everywhere out there because it's difficult to do. So you've got to get more efficient with the ones you have. Uh, similarly, the supply chain stuff that we ran across earlier, it's difficult to even get a device farm today to get all the devices in there. So you need ways to be able to handle this. Security is one. So let's all beat the nonstop drum of security. Not a day needs to go by when we see another soft underbelly of security being exposed by a, you know an IoT device of some flavor out there. We're slowly getting to understand just how important this is. But of course, security means you need to be able to handle updates, you need to be able to handle testing, and you need to be constantly examining for vulnerabilities in here. So IoT certainly needs to be getting the message and driving all of that. Those seems to be the main ones that I'm seeing in here. The nice thing about partnering with Arm here is Arm's driving the go-to-market with this. So they're actually the ones talking with most of the IoT folks. So I get to see some of the problems as they're funneled back to me. Those are the ones that I'm seeing. I'm sure there are other larger trends in the market as well that I don't have to see because Arm is nicely going to market for us.
0: That's great. So is it a big leap from security or DevSecOps into device verification and test?
1: Not really. If you think about it, if you want to test something and enable it to be as secure as possible, you have to do it based on something that's accurate. If you're not accurate, you're not testing security. You're testing a theoretical model of security. And so the stuff that we've been developing in-house here with Corellium has focused on being binary compatible with real devices from day one so just because we didn't focus on anything outside of security for the first years of our existence doesn't mean that the technology can't be adapted into there and so now we're partnering with arm we're taking our accurate, binary compatible, really fast models and targeting at a different market. But the core values and the core technological details that we worked into this apply quite nicely into that space. There are some additional integrations we need to work on and some niceties we need to do in order to get into a better solution in that space. But we're working together with ARM in order to make that happen. And of course, Arm is working with a number of other cloud partners to tie in with their flows because, like I mentioned earlier, this whole development process isn't about any singular piece of technology. It's about the ecosystem of solutions that are being assembled together.
0: So, Bill, how can my listeners get more information about Corellium and the Corellium-Arm partnership?
1: Well, there are a couple of different places. I mean, there's always our website, Corellium.com. You know, you can go to Arm's website as well, they have got a special section dedicated just to Arm virtual hardware, which is avh.arm.com. And I talked about Dev Summit here as well, which actually has a bunch of information being presented on this, uh, and that can be accessed at devsummit.arm.com.
0: Excellent. All right, Bill, it's time for your off-the-cuff question. Now, I know you enjoy sailing a lot, but sailing season is just wrapped up. So what's next, Bill?
1: Well, sailing season did indeed just wrap up. We took the boat out of the water last weekend, and I was actually up tending to it and pulling the sails off it this uh, weekend. It's the Northeast, and so end of sailing season means that skiing season isn't too far away. I've got my first skiing trip already marked in the books. Uh, Hopefully, I can sneak up there for a few days as well beforehand. But uh, no, the end of sailing means the beginning of skiing.
0: Bill, have you ever come over to the Northwest and done uh, skiing up in my area of the woods?
1: I've done Whistler, and I've done Tahoe. I haven't done anything in between.
0: You got to come over to Mount Hood or at least Bend sometime. I've heard great skiing. Okay. Not personal opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more of the lodge with the cocoa chick.
1: The world needs cocoa drinkers too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate you coming on my
1: show. Thanks, Amelia. It was great talking with you.
0: If you want to check out even more information about Corellium, I would strongly encourage you to read Max Maxfield's recent feature article on eejournal.com called Virtualized IoT Devices in the Cloud Run Faster Than Their Real-World Counterparts. And you can read this article by clicking the link below the player on this week's fish frying page on eejournal.com or check out the description on this week's YouTube episode as well. So yes, as I mentioned before, this will be my last podcast episode for this year. And what a year it has been. We launched Fish Fry on YouTube. We put together a bunch of awesome binge-worthy podcast playlists. And I interviewed the inventor of the jet pack, David Mayman. I can't wait to see what 2023 has in store for us here at EE Journal. And in honor of the holiday season, I must give a big thanks to some very important people here at EE Journal. First, Laura Morris, my producer extraordinaire. Aaron Lynn and Dane Saltzman, two of the best audio engineers a girl could ever ask for. Sarah Arkin, the woman who keeps EE e. Journal in tip-top shape, Max Maxfield and Steve Liebson, two amazing editors that I get the honor of working with, and last, but certainly not least, Kevin Morris and Laura domela Because a long time ago, Kevin and Laura took a chance with me. They hired me, they trained me, and have supported me through my 17 years at Tech Focus Media. Without Kevin and Laura, there would be no high-tech podcasting maven me. So a huge thanks to all of my EE Journal team members. Hey, have you checked out EE e. Journal on social media yet? Well, you should. You can find us at facebook.com slash EE Journal. If you're into Twitter, you can monitor our tweets at EE e. Journal TFM. And don't forget, if you would like to follow my personal Twitter account, check out Amelia D. 1978 And hey, if LinkedIn is more your thing, you can follow us or me on LinkedIn as well. And we have that YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash/eejournal, folks. It is chock full of all kinds of techie videos, including our very popular Chalk Talk webcast series, and Fish Fry as well. And you can subscribe to our EE Journal YouTube channel too. Also, by clicking the links below the player on this week's Fish fry page, you can subscribe to this here podcast through Spotify, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts. And remember, if you'd like to further support this podcast, please leave me a review on that podcasting platform of your choice. Also, if you'd like any further information about the stories covered in today's show, just head on over to eejournal.com and look for this week's fish frying page. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you know of any cool new technology or heck you just want to chat, shoot me a line at Amelia, that's A-M-E-L-I-A, at eejournal.com or post a comment on our forums on eejournal. For the week of December 23rd, 2022, I'm Amelia Dalton, and you've been fried.